Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, good morning, gang, and welcome to New Southern Garden. Of course, I'm your gardening pal, Nathan Wilson, and as always, I'm so glad that you've decided to join us to talk about your landscape, to talk about your gardens, growing things, anything that's green, we're going to talk about it. Of course, we can't talk about it all just today, but with that in mind, we are going to be talking about some ways that you can save a little bit of money. You know, it seems like here it is at the end of the year, and maybe we take an assessment of our personal checkbooks, and we see if they're balancing. Uh, Prices of things have gone up. It does seem like uh, what used to cost you $100 in the grocery store is much more than that. And of course, there are ways we can save inside the home, but there are also ways that we can save outside of the home, which means, you know, more plants on smaller budget, more plants with less cost. It's a wonderful thing. So maybe if we can trim some excessive expenditures, maybe not excessive, but if we can trim some of the expenditures in the landscape, uh, we can do more with it. And the, the beautiful thing about gardening is that to get started, you really don't have to spend a lot of money. You don't have to. Now, of course, you go into the plant nurseries and you see some nice, gorgeous plants. Maybe they're quite mature. Uh, Maybe they've been growing for half a decade or more. And those can be expensive, but we can always start small. You know, a pack of seeds. Nowadays, a pack of seeds, uh, depending on where you go and what seed you're buying, maybe what company you're buying from, can vary. You can buy, I've seen seeds at the dollar store for Let's see, four for a dollar, 25 cents a pack. It's probably the cheapest I've seen them. But then, of course, there are some new hybrids, new varieties of seed that may be three, five dollars and somewhere between those numbers. So with that being said, it's a small price to pay. And of course, a pack of seeds has a ton of plants in it. So it doesn't you don't have to rush out to your garden center, your local nurseries and buy the biggest plants you can find. As long as you're willing to grow them out yourself, start small. And of course, starting small does also mean starting on a smaller budget. So today we're going to give you some ideas and some tips on how to do that as we near the end of the year. We're not only maybe thinking about, of course, all of those Christmas presents and things that the end of the year tends to acquire, but we also think about the end of a gardening season and the beginning of of another season, which of course, winter is no time to be a slouch. Winter is no time to to be sleepy in the garden. It is time to do a lot of things and continue to grow a lot of things as well. So 
thinking about next year, using the time we have over winter, which you know is a little bit slower, uh, but thinking about your plans for next year. I thought that some of these tips and ideas on how to save a little money uh, would be helpful so that when you're making your plans and sketching out or at least mentally preparing yourself for what you're going to do in your landscape, that you also think about ways you can trim a little bit of those expenditures. Of course, last week, if you missed the program, we talked about uh, dealing with weeds organically, organic winter weed control. And if you missed part of that show or the whole thing, you can check us out online at NewSouthernGarden.com where you can find every episode of the show we've ever had. And of course, you can also find the, uh, the shows on your podcasting apps. Of course, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, the TuneIn app, which of course... When you have tune in, you can listen to your local programming here on WRWH 93.9 FM. You can listen to that on the go as long as you have an internet connection. So whether you're traveling this holiday season or just uh, out in the garden without a radio in your hand, if you have your cell phone in your pocket, you can turn on the tune in app and you can listen to all of your favorite shows right here on WRWH. So, of course, when we think about saving in the landscape, when we think about that, what are some things that we may want to consider? What are some areas? Of course, there's the plants. How can we save money on plant? There's maybe structures uh, or containers and pots. How can we save a little bit of money there and, of course, uh, spread out that dollar, uh, but making as much of an impact as possible? Let's talk about some ways that we can save in the plant world. In the spring and then again in the fall, and maybe all summer long, you may be growing plants from seed, maybe particularly vegetable plants. Of course, you can find vegetable plants at your local garden center and retail nursery, but keep in mind that they won't have enough space for all of the wonderful varieties of vegetables that there are. In the tomato world alone, there are thousands. <laughs> and so you can go to the plant nurseries. You might find 10 varieties. You might find 15. But I don't know that you could go beyond that number in just a garden center or plant nursery. So looking at catalogs, looking online at uh, seed dealers, seed suppliers, that is a place where you can find a numerous amount, hundreds of varieties of tomatoes and other vegetables and of course flowering plants but for you to acquire all of those seeds and grow them all out and of course uh, you will be growing more than you could probably need anyways right we always seem to have leftovers when we're starting our own seeds what about thinking, now this, this, this tip has to do with getting with your friends. You have to build a little community of gardeners. But what if you and some other folks got together and perhaps you uh, shared the burden of raising these young seedlings? What that would allow is if you and Susie and Jackie and James all got together, Susie could grow certain ve vegetables or varieties, you could grow certain varieties, Jackie could grow certain varieties, and James could grow certain varieties as well. And then, of course, you've got all of these seedlings to grow, uh, and all of these seedlings that you probably don't need, you start swapping them. So this is what we call a seedling swap. 
And I think it's not just a wonderful way to, you know, increase the number of vegetables or varieties of plants you have in your garden, but it's also a way to build a community and to start talking to other folks about growing things. So if you're a part of a garden club, this would be an awesome thing to do because, of course, each garden club member could grow a certain type of plant or certain variety of a vegetable. And then when they've all grown up in their little seedling pots, you can start to swap them. And that allows for everybody who's in on this joint venture, that allows everybody to have a little bit of the goodness, a little bit of variety, a little bit of different plants in your garden beds. So thinking about a seedling swap, I haven't really done this, but I do think that it would be cool for us to do because I always have leftover plants. Sometimes they get composted, and it's a shame because you have this little baby plant who you've been growing and nurturing and raising and giving it everything it needs, and then, of course, what do you do with it? I don't have space for it. Well, swap that for another plant that maybe one of your friends is growing that you don't have. Of course, this works very well with vegetables, but it can also work very well with flowering annuals as well. Of course, this time of year, snapdragons are being planted. Um, it's very seasonal. You can have uh, seedling swaps throughout the year, really, down here in the south. Um, and then, of course, in the spring, you may have things like begonias and petunias that you can swap and exchange angelonias, the list goes on and on. So think about a seedling swap. Share the cost, share the burden. Everybody can have a wonderful garden, wonderful variety of plants, but you don't have to buy all the seeds to get that variety. Everybody shares the load just a bit. Now, when it comes to purchasing plants in the garden centers and the plant nursery, there are some ways that you can literally cut the cost. When we're talking about shopping for, say, perennial plants in the, this works very well with perennial plants. Of course, perennial plants are those plants that return year after year. Now, they may not live forever, but they usually return for at least three, five years, and some will last for decades. So these are plants that naturally are cost-saving because you plant them once and then, can, and then can enjoy them for a long time. But when you're going to the plant nurseries and, say, looking at these perennials, look for the plants that have several stems or side shoots, or look for plants that grow in a clump. Plants that spread with underground stems we call rhizomes or above-ground stems we call stolons. And go for the plants. I know this doesn't sound good, but uh, go for the plants that are quite root-bound. They look healthy, but there are a number of roots in there and a number of stems in that pot. Because then, of course, you can take these home, take these root-bound perennials out of their pots and slice them to pieces, literally cutting them into pieces. So where you bought one plant, you are now dividing this plant. A large perennial that may be a bit overgrown, you're dividing it into at least two, maybe three or four, or if you're very tedious with it, you may get even more plants out of that one pot. The beautiful thing about perennials is many of them do tend to sucker or send up side shoots that have roots on them down below. And this is a very good characteristic um, for plants that are divided, that can be divided and sliced up. So by just purchasing maybe a $12 plant, or even if it's $15 or 
You can divide that into four pieces. That's $5 a piece. Or if you can divide it uh, into more pieces, it'll be less than $5 per plant. The wonderful thing about plants is that even when you trim a stem or when you trim a leaf off or when you trim some roots and divide those roots into pieces, they grow back. They are living, growing organisms. And that naturally is a way to help save cost. Of course, if you already have plants in your garden that are perennial and maybe a large clump now, by taking them out and dividing those, you don't even have to go purchase more plant material. Right there at your garden bed, you already have plenty of plants that you can maybe spread to another garden bed or put into another border. So don't always rush out to the garden centers and purchase up plants. And when you do purchase them, you can divide them. You can make more from what you have. So, of course, those are some things we can do for growing seeds and dividing plants and multiplying our number of plants on a, on a cheaper cost there. But what about our container plants? What about house plants and, of course, um, containers that we may want to grow next spring? Now, most of the time when we're growing containers, you know, I, I do operate a plant nursery during the week. Of course, you can find me there at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia. But every season in the spring and then later in the fall, people will come in to buy little pots of annuals. Now, these are plants that grow for one season, but they may bloom heavily or have some wonderful uh, uh, leaf foliage color and, and variety. Uh, but then, of course, they only last a season, so we have to replace them. Well, what about instead of going to purchase plants for your containers, what if you just grew your own container plants? Now, there are some things you can do. Of course, you can grow your own container plants from seeds. You can find begonia, petunia, uh, am not amaranth. Well, you can find amaranth, all kinds of wonderful summer and, say, spring container plants as a seed that you can grow out. And you can get a jump on that by doing that, sowing them in the late winter, very early spring, indoors, getting them germinated, let them uh, start to grow, and then as the temperatures warm up, take them outside. But what about some of those show-stopping plants, or say begonias themselves? If you've brought in some begonias and some of these tender annuals, you can make cuttings. Just simply make cuttings from your house plants, like wandering Jew, uh, or maybe philodendron and pothos, uh, peperomias, all of these uh, we call them house plants, but of course these house plants can grow outdoors in the spring and summer, but they can all be relatively started from cuttings. So while you're since you've brought in all your house plants for the winter, uh, maybe while you're cooped up on the coldest days of the year, make some cuttings. You could stick them, and most of these can go in a glass of water and start to generate roots. Uh, but some of them, of course, can be potted up into small little pots of potting mix. Stick those cuttings in there, let them root, keep them warm indoors over the winter, and then by the time winter is over, you can take those plants out and put them into those containers that you have on your front porch, back deck, or patio. And what do you have in it? Very little cash. You've made these plants yourself. You've made cuttings. So when we get back from this break, gang, more budget-saving tips for the garden. Hey, 
Hey gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening, all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the new Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share, whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at NewSouthernGarden.com where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our Contact Us page. It's never fun gardening alone. So get social with the New Southern Garden family and let's grow well. Well, gang, today on New Southern Garden, I am trying to help you save a little bit of money, but having but but make a great impression in your landscape, whether it's the vegetable garden or whether it is your an, your annual beds, your perennial beds. What are some ways that we can trim the costs, uh, but have more plants, and of course, uh, have more blooms and great impression. And before the break, we talked about doing a seedling swap where maybe you are into growing seedlings and maybe you have some friends who are into growing seedlings. Well, instead of you growing all the seedlings that you want and all the different varieties of plants, perhaps you can share the cost with your friends, your gardening club buddies, and you can grow them out, grow different varieties amongst yourself. And then when they're grown, swap them. It's a fair trade. It's an even trade, I think. Uh, But of course, you know, gardening is not about fair trades. It's just about having fun. And then, of course, when you're buying plants, particularly large or clumping perennials, maybe grasses even, uh, the ornamental grasses are very good at being divided. So when you go into the plant nursery, look for those plants that have just a pot full of stems and uh, roots. And then when you get home before you plant that one plant, take it out, Cut it up into pieces and divide it. And then, of course, now is a good time to start um, your your house plants to to take cuttings from your house plants or other annual plants that you'd want to put in containers in the spring instead of rushing out to buy them in the spring and, of course, acquiring a heavy um, a heavy ticket on your plant purchases. Why not use winter and doing it indoors in a sunny window in your kitchen or some windowsill, making cuttings from your house plants, making cuttings from begonias, making cuttings uh, from pothos, which is a great vine that can just spill out of the pot. Take these cuttings now, get them to generate roots, grow them in these pots indoors over winter, and then when we get to next spring, you can take them outside and put them in your containers, and you won't even have to talk to the guys at the nursery. Now, what about plants that just happen to pop up? We call these volunteers, you know, good plants that pop up. Maybe a seed fell somewhere and it just starts germinating and growing. Sometimes uh, volunteers are seen as weeds. And I suppose that if there's a lot of volunteers in a space where they shouldn't be, perhaps they are weeds. But but a good example is uh, cherry and grape tomatoes. You know, my wife loves cherry and grape tomatoes. A small tomato just pop in your mouth. Uh, they're like a little piece of candy. Well, 
It's nearly impossible to harvest every single tomato, uh, cherry tomato or grape grape tomato, because of course they're small, they're round, and some of them ripen before others and they may fall to the ground without you even knowing it. Of course, that fruit starts to rot on the ground, but it leaves behind seeds. And usually the next season, if everything is hospitable uh, in the environment, then those little seeds will germinate and start new tomato plants. So think about watching for these volunteers, particularly in your annual beds where seeds, you know, deadheads may not be taken off and they're allowed to open up with seeds and scatter those seeds. Be on the lookout for little, we call them volunteer plants, plants that you didn't plant with any intention. They just haphazardly fell to the ground and started growing. And that would be a great way to, of course, have more tomato plants, have more um, petunia plants if those open up, uh, or or rather if those reseed and open up and grow. So be on the lookout for those. Allow them to grow maybe three inches tall, probably no taller than five inches. And using a trowel, just scoop them up out of the ground trying to keep intact as much of a root system as possible, keeping a nice clump of soil around the roots, and then moving it to where it needs to go. Most of the time, volunteers do not grow where you want them, but if you catch them at a young stage, they can rapidly regrow from that transplanting, regrow their roots, and establish themselves. And of course, you didn't have to buy that plant. It was already there, ready for the taking, and it saved you some money. Now, what about uh, containers? You know, we can spend money on containers. We can go buy containers. We can spend a lot of money on heavy-duty, large clay pots and, and whatnot. But depending on the kind of container you're looking for, sometimes you just need something uh, that's relatively cheap. And of course, you may find at the florist or even, say, the dollar store or thrift store, uh, the recycle store, wherever you go where prices are lower, look for things that can make good containers. You might find some glass bowls even or some glass jars. It doesn't have to be plastic. It doesn't have to be terracotta. It could be ceramic. It could be some teacups. It could be some, um, some drinking glasses that are made out of a certain material. And you can find these things fairly cheap at the, say, Goodwills and the maybe Rehabitat stores for Habitat for Humanity. All of those places where thrift kind of things show up, usually you can find them at a cheap price. But you don't have to, don't look at a container for what it is but look at a container for what it could be or what it can be. And what I mean is just because the container uh, maybe has some ugly print on it or maybe it's some terrible shade of fuchsia, something that is not attractive to you at first, look at the shape of it because you could apply paint to it. You could use spray paint. Uh, You could use some kind of wrapping maybe to hide the ugliness of the outside. But of course, it's a great container and it's at a bargain price. The only thing we may need to do with some of these containers that we buy on the cheap is putting holes in the bottom because it A lot of these containers are going to be solid at the bottom, and for planting purposes, we need good drainage. We don't need a situation where water does not drain. So a 
putting a, a hole or two or three or four, depending on how large the bottom of the container is, may be critical. And it is much harder to put a hole in glass. It's harder to put a hole in ceramic. But if something is plastic, then it's very easy to put a hole in. Uh, maybe if it's a wooden container, that would be easy with a drill to put a hole in. So look for floral buckets or some kind of container that is a good size and fits your purpose. Uh, you could use these containers for maybe growing on your peppers, uh, keeping mint. <laughs> mint is quite a uh, an intrusive plant and it probably needs to be grown in a container in most situations. Um, you could keep young cuttings in these containers and you could put trees that you may start from seed in these containers. There's a wide variety of uses that these cheap containers could provide you. And again, don't look at it for what it is. Look at it for what it could be. If you need to brush on some metallic colored paint to give you a stainless steel look, but underneath it's plastic, well, that's wonderful. It's a cheap way to have that stainless steel look or maybe a hammered or brushed copper effect. Uh, use some spray paint, decorate them up. So those are some things that you do need to think about is, you know, where, what are some things we're spending money on that maybe we could be a little cheaper on? I think plastics and containers is a wonderful thing. Now, one thing that is kind of so simple, you don't have to go out and buy anything or do anything, is to simply save your empty mulch bags. I started doing this for some reason. I didn't know why. And then I started finding purposes for these mulch bags. Of course, mulch bags... Uh, when they're empty, it's just a plastic sack. But they are very convenient if you're out weeding. I started using my empty mulch bags to throw weeds in. Uh, or maybe nursery pots. It's a great container to use. Something that you can just simply throw them in. The beauty about mulch bags is that they're lightweight. They're easy to move around. They're not heavy. And when you fill up the bag of weeds, you can just drag it over, carry it over to the compost bin, dump those into your compost bin, and let those weeds start rotting. But then again, if you take the the mulch bags and fold them over on top of themselves, you can create kneeling pads. Uh, you can use them singly or just fold them maybe into quarters, into fours, and that should be wide enough to use for kneeling pads. I know that sounds crazy, but you know, I, I spend a lot of time weeding on my hands and knees and then the knees start to hurt. Uh, I, I do like to keep my knees on the mulched areas because it tends to be softer. But having just a little bit of cushion that these mulch bags can handle is a wonderful thing. Now, what about maybe using these mulch bags as a waterproof seat cover? Uh, maybe you're, you don't have a truck and you have to put things like bags of potting mix and plants in your seats. Well, that may be a great way to go. So gang, after this break, we're going to talk more about saving money in your garden. Hang on tight. Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. So, gang, before the break, we were talking about mulch bags. 
Not bags of mulch. No, empty bags of mulch. <laughs> Today, we are talking about ways to save you a little bit of money uh, and maybe repurposing things, reusing things. And mulch bags is one of those things you can reuse. Of course, mulch bags are usually made of plastic, and plastic is not something that we can compost and reuse it that way. Uh, like we can plant material and trimmings, uh, we can compost that all day. But plastic, it's usually just thrown away. Of course, it doesn't decompose quickly. So let's use the plastic as long as we can. And one way that we can use empty mulch bags is to use them as a weed collector. Just take an empty bag of mulch into the garden with you when you are pulling weeds, throw them in the bag, and when the bag is full, go dump it on the compost pile and return to weeding. And then, of course, you could take this wheat, uh, this mulch bag, fold it over on itself maybe four times, make a little cushion, and put it under your knees while you're weeding. And then, of course, what else could you do? If you need sort of a waterproof seat cover or trunk liner because of course a gardener is going to be going out to the garden centers buying things that are dirty like plants and and plants in pots which have dirt on them and dirt coming out of the holes and bags of potting mix and soil and mulch you can use these plastic sheets as a trunk liner or a seat cover if you don't have a truck so getting creative today, that's what we're doing. We're trying to think of ways and come up with ways that we can save a little bit of money and repurpose things. One other thing that we could do in the landscape, of course, it's wonderful to feed our birds. It's wonderful to have bird feeders. It's wonderful to create a place for wildlife. And we have talked about that on this program many times over the years. And you can check out episodes that deal with feeding wildlife and providing space for wildlife in your garden at New Southern Garden. And of course, on all your favorite podcasting apps, um, if you miss the show here on Saturdays. But by feeding wildlife, we're usually adding a bird feeder and putting feed into it. And of course, that's an expense. There's something there we have to purchase, bird seed. One of the best bird seeds, of course, that's used wild, uh, wide, widely is going to be the black oil sunflower seeds. Black oil sunflower seeds. You can buy big bags of black oil sunflower seeds. Maybe buying them in bulk is a way to save. But what about doing a self-sown bird feeder? And what I mean is, go ahead and put this black oil sunflower seed into your bird feeder. And it never fails. It happened to me many times this season when I was feeding birds out of my bird feeders. Is the birds, oh, they get a little messy. They play with their food, and they drop a lot of these seeds to the ground. And do you know what always happens when those seeds hit the ground? They start germinating and growing down below on the soil. So instead of pulling and ripping these little plants out, how about keep them there? Let them grow, or maybe just relocate them, transplant them to another area of the garden. Let those volunteer, if you will, sunflower plants grow. And it was sown by the birds themselves by dropping it to the ground. Let them grow. Let them develop. They will produce a flower. And, of course, that will um, be attractive to, to bees and pollinators like butterflies. They'll come around and they'll pollinate it. And then a few weeks later, that flower head will turn to a seed head. 
And that is more food for your birds. It is really a self-sown bird feeder. Now, of course, you could take those seeds, allow them to dry, just clip them, clip the seed heads from the plant, bring them into a garage, a crawl space, somewhere where it's maybe cool, uh, but not damp. It needs to be relatively dry. Turn them upside down, let them dry out, and you can harvest those seeds, collecting them to put back in the bird feeder. Or, if you don't want to do all that work, just leave the seeds on the seed head and the birds will find them. The birds will find them on the seed head and they will love to chow down on them. So that means you don't have to rush out and buy even more bird seed. Now, what about, let's go back to the container thing. Because I had thought of something that uh, may seem kind of strange and odd. But sometimes we need a large container. Sometimes we need a large container and, you know, things if we want to grow a tomato or some plant that gets quite robust and needs a lot of soil space. Some, you can't find large containers very easily at a thrift store, but you can find large containers in your garage. Things like trash cans or some kind of uh, bucket, a five-gallon bucket, things like, like these that, that have a purpose, but maybe there's some holes in the bucket. And it's hard to carry water with a hole in the bucket. It's hard to carry fertilizer with a hole in a bucket. And so if you have an old trash can that's just starting to crack and needs to be replaced for at least the trash purposes, trash collecting purposes, what about reusing that as a container? Now, of course, being a large container, this, of course, sometimes trash cans are about waist high. This is a large container. It's a large amount of soil to fill in. Well, You can compost in the bottom, throw in kitchen scraps and maybe leaves uh, that you've collected in your landscape, throw in some kind of composty stuff, and then put container soil on top of that. Of course, you've got to make sure that there's a hole in the bottom of this bucket or this trash can, but this would be a great way to have essentially a raised bed. I mean, you could grow lettuce in this trash can. Is it going to be attractive? No. But is it going to be functional? Absolutely. And because this trash can is so tall or this bucket is so tall, you don't have to bend over to harvest. As a matter of fact, if you're growing something tall like a tomato, all you have to do is pull tomatoes right at eye level. Because, of course, a tomato could grow four feet tall, five feet tall, six feet tall. It could be maybe too tall for a trash can. But thinking about using these larger containers as a double duty, you know, a double duty trash can. Sure, it can hold your trash, but it can also help you compost and it can help you grow plants right in the middle of it. I do have a trash can that needs to be replaced. So I think that it has a second use in life. I think that instead of just holding trash, it's going to hold something that's growing and wonderful. Now, what about bringing your garden inside? We have talked a lot this year about growing plants for cut flowers. Growing plants for cut flowers. Uh, The idea of growing cut flowers, of course, is that you will be harvesting the flowers that these plants grow. You'll be cutting them off the plant and bringing them inside or maybe giving a bundle of them as a gift to a friend or family member. Um, But what about, well, I have all of these cut flowers outside, but I don't have a lot of vases. I don't have a uh, a, a, a lot of containers to put them in inside. Well, in comes the water bottle. 
or any kind of bottle really, as long as it's been cleaned and washed so that there's no residue of a soda or maybe it's a bottle from some kind of cleaning product or soap, make sure it's all cleaned out. But take that bottle and decorate it, right? You could simply spray paint a bottle, an empty bottle. Um, you could get the kids involved or the grandkids and they could put sequins and buttons and bows and ribbons and paint, uh, whatever they want to do. Take this simple plastic bottle and give it a new life. Jazz it up, make it look nice, and it is a simple container. It is a simple vase then for a small display of your cut flowers. If you're doing this, you don't have to rush out and buy expensive vases, vases, however you want to say it. You just simply make your own and you could have some, not just on the kitchen table or the kitchen island, uh, the dining table or the, uh, the, the table by the couch, the side table, uh, nightstands. You could have flowers. You could have flowers on the top of the toilet bowl lid, not the bowl. Yeah, no, no, not the bowl. But on the lid of the uh, toilet, you could have flowers everywhere in every room of the house and only have the expense of making a trash bottle look beautiful or look decent, right? All plants need is a container that can hold water and you can put those cut flowers into it and bada bing, bada boom, you have a vase. You have a vase. Now, what about when we're in the landscape and we want to be conscientious about water? Of course, we really don't think much about saving water in the South until we go through those drought years. And I remember when I was getting out of high school, going into college, studying plants, we were in a drought and it was on everybody's mind. As a matter of fact, the county agent in our county uh, or, or in my county, they had several workshops about building your own um, water tank or rather water barrel, I guess is what they call it, where you would have a water reservoir. It's some kind of uh, maybe 50-gallon barrel or whatever kind of barrel bucket you can get your hands on and attaching it to your gutter system so that when water hits your roof and collects in the gutters, instead of it just washing away, you're actually capturing a certain portion of that so you could use to water your plants, uh, to water your gardens, to water your containers with. But we don't, I mean, that year, I remember they had several offerings of that program, three or four over the course of that summer, but not so much anymore kind of went out the way because we started having rain and the city and the, um, you know, water department, they weren't regulating water usage so much anymore because rain was becoming more abundant. Water was becoming more abundant. So that fell out of the forefront. But I know as soon as we get into a drought period, a spell of two or three years where we don't have our average rainfall, we're below our average, that may become more prevalent. So for now, think about ways to save water. And of course, if you're on city water and you're using that to water your plants with, well, that's a cost. You're using plants not just to wash dishes and take showers with, you're using water to 
water your plants. So, of course, having a moisture gauge may help. It's a small price to pay. Of course, uh, there are many moisture meters that come with a pH gauge. It may also tell you the pH. Some of these are maybe better than others. Look at reviews. Do some extension research or university research on some of the meters that may be more beneficial. But the idea is that a moisture meter usually tells you the tension that's in your soil, if you will, that water creates this tension. If there's low tension, it will tell you that you need more moisture. If it's high tension, it will tell you you don't need more moisture. But instead of haphazardly watering or overwatering, adding too much water, spending too much water on watering your plants, perhaps having a moisture gauge in your containers, uh, right there in the soil of your containers, uh, or in the garden itself may be beneficial and may help you not have to water so much. Just a flip of the switch and you will know what your moisture level is. And if it has a pH meter involved, that is a interesting tool to have because, of course, if you see that your pH is off, you, you it's kind of a bonus, I guess. If your pH is off, you can address that so that the nutrition in your soil becomes more available to your plants. Now, what about compost? You know, we spend maybe a lot of money on buying bags of compost. There's all kinds of soil amendments. There are soil conditioners, right? There are... Um, uh, mushroom compost, which is a really good compost, really good compost to have. And then there's organic compost. There's compost made from kitchen stra- scraps you can buy. There's compost made from worm castings. There's compost made from almost any kind of earthy green material that you could think of. And you could buy them. And you can buy them at a premium. You can buy them in small little bags at a premium. You see, the price just goes up and up depending on what it is you're looking at. So what about making it yourself? What about making it yourself? That's what we need to talk about, is actually creating our own compost, because that will give us not just our own special blend, but it's going to help us reuse and repurpose some of the things we may be throwing away. So we are on a break here, folks, but when we get back, we'll talk about saving money by simply saving your food scraps and other green materials. Hang on tight, we'll be right back. Hey gang, it's Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the New Southern Garden Podcast. Of course, I love providing you with horticultural information to get you growing and growing well. But sometimes you need more than just information. You need plants. So I'd love for you to join me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. But you can find more than just me, of course. (laughs) At Lanier Nursery and Gardens, you can browse through our wide selection of ornamental trees, glorious shrubs, and colorful perennials and annuals. And I want to thank all our listeners who have already made the trek to Lanier Nursery. It's been a pleasure to meet you and hear your gardening stories. We've got a wonderful crew of folks who are just itching to help you grow your best garden ever. So check out LanierNurseryGardens.com for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Now let's get growing together. Has the cost of rising food prices, fuel, all kinds of things that are going up, has that got you down and in a bum? Well, don't worry because today on New Southern Garden, we are talking about ways that you can save money, uh, budget-friendly ideas for the garden and the landscape. You know, I don't think that gardening should be 
an expensive endeavor. Depending on the scale and the size of your garden, of course, there are costs that follow that scale or that size. But there are ways that we can nip and trim and repurpose things, reuse things, divide our plants, all kinds of things that we can do to make more uh, of what we have. And before the break, we were talking about compost. Of course, you can find compost of every variety in a bag. And I have noticed that some composts, (laughs) uh, people treat like they're black gold in a way because they're shrinking the size of the bags and increasing the price. I guess it's called shrinkflation, right? The price is going up, but the product itself is going down. And so you could spend bukus of money on what is essentially rotten trash, right? (laughs) Rotten food scraps that have been composted. And of course, there are many benefits to using these kinds of products. Of course, the recycling of nutrients, the plant material that breaks down and then uh, bacteria can use it and the fungi can use it and break it down further. And then your plants in your garden can reuse all of those nutrition. But of course, Compost and organic matter just improves the soil. It can turn a red clay dirt into a rich, dark, loamy soil. And it's a wonderful thing from all respects. But do you have to go out and buy bags and bags of this compost? Absolutely not. You can make it at home. Now, of course, composting can be a simple endeavor or composting can become as complex of a system as you like. Uh, You can simply have a pile of leaves that you occasionally add in certain things that are uh, green and your browns, if you will. When we're talking about compost, there are always two main things we start with. It's the greens and the browns. Green material would come from leaves and maybe young stems, but brown material would come from, say, the wood chips or the sticks and the twigs and the woody material. And you do have to have a balance of those things in order for compost to to break down, uh, to get up to a certain temperature so that you do have a nice hot, heated up compost pile. But there are some easy ways too. You can simply um, take your food scraps. Well, let me just say, here's the system I like to use. I do have a pile. I do incorporate my leaves in this. I use small twigs that I can chop up and and get into smaller pieces um, for the woody material. Uh, But leaves are a great source of that kind of green material. Oak leaves are quite thick. Magnolia leaves are very thick. They take a long time to break down. So having a variety of leaves uh, in your pile is helpful. But then, of course, having a small bucket, maybe in the pantry or off the porch or in the garage somewhere, with a lid, uh, that is helpful for collecting your food scraps. So if you're peeling apples, save the peels, and instead of throwing them in the trash, simply put them into that bucket that you are saving food scraps in. And when that bucket becomes full, take it out to the compost pile, work it into that pile, and you're off to go. Now, this is kind of the the system where we're pulling out weeds, throwing them in the compost pile, we're pulling out dead plants, putting them in the compost pile, trying to save everything we possibly can to increase that compost pile. Uh, But do you have to have a pile in order to compost? And do you have to have this compost just piled up? Maybe you don't have a room. Maybe you're in a place where you're An HOA says you can't have a compost bin like that. Of course, you can use some containments, um, a uh, trash 
trash um, can, like we talked about growing in, is also a good place to uh, work with compost in that can itself. You just need to have a lot of air holes on the side to, to increase the oxygen in that bucket uh, or trash can. But what about doing a liquid compost? This is something that was kind of new to me, and I haven't tried it, but I think I will, because I was reading an article about essentially liquefying compost. The idea is that you take your food scraps, uh, your vegetable scraps, your fruit scraps, whatever fruits and vegetables you have left over, and you put them in a blender, and you blend them well. You may have to add some moisture, add some water, that'd be fine, to make a liquid. And then you can take that liquid right off into the garden. And you can maybe put it underneath the mulch layer, uh, put it on top of your garden, your raised beds, or put it on top of your containers, pour it there. And because it has been liquefied, it will break down really fast. And bacteria will get to working on it fast. And the fungus will get to working on that liquid compost really quickly. This is something I have never thought of. And again, I haven't tried it yet. But I do think that I'm going to encourage my wife to save these food scraps so that we can blend them. I'll just have to convince her that keeping a bucket of food scraps for maybe a week at a time is going to be okay. Uh, So we won't keep that in the house, I guess. But with that being said... Trying to liquefy these things, the idea of a good compost bin or, or this thing with the liquid compost is that we want to try to get these particles. We want to mulch the leaves up. We want to chop the stems up. We want to get whatever material we're trying to compost as small as possible because the smaller it is and the more surface area that's exposed to this material, the faster it will break down, which means the faster you can reuse it and repurpose it into your landscapes. So whether Whether you're doing a uh, heap compost or sheet layering, of course, I didn't mention that, but you can sheet layer your compost where you just essentially use your composting materials as a mulch and you lay it across the top of the soil. It slowly breaks down, but it does double duty uh, with these scraps and these leaves and these materials spread out like mulch. You're keeping the soil uh, mulched, but you're also letting that break down and compost into the soil. Or whether you want to try this liquid compost where you are blending in the blender, in the kitchen blender, working on that, and just pouring it directly onto your growing spaces. No matter how you're doing it, we want to make sure that we have as small of particles to start with. It's not very easy to... Uh, chop up your leaves. I usually do it with my lawnmower, but of course it's very easy to chop up your food scraps in a food processor or a blender of some kind, getting them as small as possible. That is the goal with compost, is getting to use that material as soon as possible and getting it to the plant's roots as soon as possible. So chop things up, blend things up in the kitchen, and pour it directly around your gardening spaces. So gang, Today was all about trying to give you ideas as we approach a new year, just a few weeks away, as we approach a new year and we are getting ever closer to a new growing season in the springtime, there are some things we may want to consider as we are walking around our gardens, walking around our landscapes, and particularly perhaps trying to save money where we can. I wouldn't ever I would not ever want the garden to become a financial burden because, of course, you know, do we need roses in order to live? No. Do we need trees in order to live? Yes, we do need them. We do need those. (laughs) But do we need these gardens in order to live? Not all the time. Not really. 
But at the end of the day, do we have enough money to pay all the bills and also buy things for the garden? And I think that by saving money in the garden, that will make gardening maybe a little more fun, a little more enjoyable. Knowing that I don't have to rush out and spend hundreds of dollars on plants. I can just divide what I have or I have to go buy containers. No, I can go thrift containers or repurpose containers and just jazz them up with a little paint and ribbon and bows. There are lots of ways that we can save money. And I hope that today that this has helped give you some ideas at least. They may not all work out for you or be needed for you, but hopefully you'll garden well uh, by using these tips. Well, again, for New Southern Garden and WRWH, I'm Nathan Wilson. I hope you stay well and grow well. We'll see you next week. Hey, thanks for joining us for this edition of Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. If you have a comment about today's program, you can reach out to Nathan by sending an email to grow at LanierNurseryGardens.com. Also get more information at NewSouthernGarden.com. Join us next Saturday on Local News Radio 93.9 FM and AM 1350 for Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show.